write this message. So I'm really, really excited. I've been wanting to do this message for a long time. But I feel like I finally got the courage to write it out because it's a lot of it's a it is a lot of information. But uh, just know that I I worked really hard to make it as simple as possible because it is going to be uh, you'll see quite intense. But first, let's have another word of prayer so we can get right into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to come before you today, ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and to our minds, Lord. I pray that you would open up the words in your book, Lord, and speak to us, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I have a story I want to tell you guys first about uh, when me and my wife were just dating. This was when we had just, just started. Um, and she was, uh, you know, I was, you know, showing interest in her. And she was starting to show some interest in me. So, um, we were actually in Bible college in Arizona, Prescott, Arizona. Uh, this was around right before the summer, so it was nice weather. Um, we had just come home from or back to school from home. Uh, and I don't know why in my mind, you know, when I'm home, I'm around all this Mexican food, you know, but usually can't eat any of it because my parents don't cook vegetarian or vegan. Uh, but I was vegan at that point, and, and I told my, and I, I kept thinking, man, I, I just really, really want some really good, tasty Mexican, you know, vegetarian or vegan food. And I kept saying this over and over again to just like everybody. And my, you know, my wife now, back then she heard me. Uh, and I think uh, two, two weekends later, uh, actually uh, for a Sunday, I believe, uh, she went out and bought groceries. And she came back to the school kitchen and she made a vegan chimichanga. And it was the most delicious thing I had ever tasted in my life. Uh, I, still, I still think about it to this day, and I tell her, when are you going to make me those again? They're so good. <laughs> but um, it was actually in that very moment that I realized how serious she was uh, and interested in me, too. Because up to that point, I feel like I had been the only one pursuing her. But right there and then, I knew that she really was interested in me, too. And, you know, what we're going to talk about today is going to be Bible prophecy, and the reason why I'm bringing this story up is because when it comes to Jesus, sometimes, you know, we hear Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. But it's not really until Jesus shows you how he loved you, how he's loving you, and how he's going to love you, that it becomes real to you. So that's why prophecy, when people, you know, talk about prophecy, when they study the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, it brings this revival to their hearts because they're actually understanding what Jesus did, what He's doing, and what He's going to do. We're actually going to start in the book of John, just looking, just looking at um, John the Baptist himself. In John, we see uh, John the Baptist preaching, and he's causing this revival amongst the people. Everybody's coming to him because he's preaching you know, he's just preaching messages that are just cutting to the heart. He's rebuking sin, and he's causing this revival. But, you know, he's preparing the way of the Lord. Right? He's preparing the people for Jesus because he's about to come. And in the same way, so we're going to be in the book of John. But in the same way, let's go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to see how uh, today what we're going to do is we're actually going to see the, the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus and how those prophecies there's a lot of similarities in this, but 
The most important thing, Revelation 1.1. Does everybody have it? Okay, if you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there yet, say mercy. <laughs> so we can give you a little bit of time. Okay, so it seems like everyone's there. So it says uh, in verse 1, the revelation of... Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must surely come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. So we notice right away, uh, the book of Revelation, yes, it has a lot of prophecies in it. But the most important thing to take from this is that this revelation or this book of prophecies about who? About Jesus himself. So like I said, we're going to actually go today, uh, and I'm going to make it as simple as possible, but there's a lot of similarities of what happened uh, in the first coming of Jesus and in the second message of the second coming of Jesus. So let's go to John chapter 1, 1 verse 20, 29. John 1, 29. And we see right away, John the Baptist uh, is welcoming... The Messiah, because he's been preparing the way this whole time, but he sees the Messiah. And if you read Spirit of Prophecy, it says that the Holy Spirit completely overtook him uh, when he said what he said in this verse. Because up, even him himself, up, up until this point, uh, actually everyone believed that the Messiah was going to come and have an earthly kingdom. So when he says this in John chapter 1, verse 29, it's completely the Holy Spirit prophesying through him the role of the Messiah that nobody really understood. So John chapter 1, verse 29. Does everybody have it? He says, he says what? Somebody read it out loud. So he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin, the sin of the world. So right away, as Jesus is being introduced into the ministry for the first time, for his first coming, John says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Now keep in mind that nobody uh, at that point really understood what that meant. Even the disciples uh, were questioning Jesus about his earthly kingdom. But just to quickly show you, like I said, we're going to go through the similarities and, and it's going it's to amaze you the way it ama I mean, even yesterday when I was studying it, I was still finding similarities. It just kept getting blown away. Uh, Revelation chapter 5, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but the whole thing is actually about how Jesus is worthy to come, you know, he's worthy of riches and honor and glory and wisdom and power. Why? Why is he worthy? Because he is the lamb that was slain. He says, worthy is the lamb that was slain. To receive honor and riches and glory and honor. And, and that whole chapter there basically acknowledges, acknowledges Jesus as being worthy to be the king. The king that's going to be coming back. So this time he's going to be coming back as king. And he's going to receive his kingdom. And he's going to come back. But this time it's going to be glorious. We're not going to see Jesus like we saw him the first time where he, you know, he came and he lived a humble life of sacrifice, self-denial. 
He came to die for us. But this time when He comes back, He's going to come back with, with glory. Amen. And people are going to acknowledge Him as King. So that's the first similarity right away. He's the Lamb of God who was slain. Now, we're going to get into the second part, and this is the one that kind of blew my mind a little bit. So we're going to change shifts and pick it up a notch here. So this is in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. This is actually Jesus himself preaching now. Okay, about what's about to happen. Or he's actually referencing something in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. If you're there, say amen. Amen. If not, say mercy. Give you a little bit of time. All right, we heard one mercy over here. Sounds like everyone's there. Still hear some pages. Okay, so Mark chapter 1, verse 15. So let's start in verse 14, just to give you a little bit of background. Uh, it says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Verse 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. So why am I bringing up this verse? Because notice here how he himself said, the time is at what? At hand. Now time, hmm, what time is he talking about? The 490 year prophecy, which is, you know, we have, uh, you know, a good... Prophecy Bible student here. Uh, he said the 490 year prophecy, which is found in Daniel chapter 9. So he's actually referencing Bible prophecy. Jesus himself is coming. He's saying the time is at hand. The prophecy that spoke about me, that time is at hand. Where he's about to set up his kingdom and, and basically time is running out for the Jews too. So he's telling them to repent. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 10. This is where it gets interesting. Revelation chapter 10. Does anybody know what the, the book or the chapter of Revelation 10 is about? We got one person? Okay. Anybody else? Two people. Okay. Three people. I, 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 I kind of need to know just so I know how much I need to you know, explain this. So anybody else know what Revelation 10 is about? Okay. So Revelation 10, we're going we're gonna to start from verse 1. And it says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Now here we see an angel coming in, uh, and, he, and it gives a very descriptive, uh, you know, just description of who this angel is. Who do you guys think this angel is? Jesus, we have a few people saying Jesus. Why are you guys saying it's Jesus? Huh? Because that's who it is. That's what it is, right? And we know that because of this, the descriptions. We know that because of the descriptions, right? You know, for example, we see, you know, uh, the rainbow being about around Jesus, being around God the Father in Revelation 4, verse 3, and Ezekiel chapter 128. Uh, and the rainbow really signifies, uh, I studied it back in Bible college, it's beautiful, just the message of the rainbow. Uh, just talks about how mercy and justice come together and they cause this beautiful rainbow about God. Because in it, we see just these two elements coming together and just forming this beautiful thing. We also see the sun, you know, the, the, the face that he has 
is like the face of a sun, you know? He's, he's shining. We see that in Matthew uh, chapter 17, verse 2, in the transfiguration, when Jesus, you know, he basically shines, and the disciples see all these things going on with Jesus. Also, the feet that are like pillars of fire, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 15, we see that that description is given again to Jesus. So we actually see Jesus here, but it says that there's a mighty angel. Why is it, why is it calling him a mighty angel? So, so this guy's got all the answers. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's right. So he has a message. In the Bible, when we see uh, an angel, he's usually a messenger. You know, the, the real translation is messenger. So he basically, Jesus has a message here, and it's really important because, remember in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he had, his, he had a message about a time prophecy, right? Which was about himself. Now this time, he has another message, in, but let's find out what it's about. It's in verse 2. It says, And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. Now we see him carrying a little book. What is this little book? <laughs> smiling. <laughs> Anybody know what this little book is? Other than Kyle. <laughs> so Daniel chapter 12 verse 4. Uh, we actually see... Uh, how Daniel ends the chapter closing a book. Uh, and he's been getting all these prophecies that, that God himself is giving him. And there's this particular one that's kind of really worrying him. Uh, but he tells Daniel, hey, close up the book. Because this message is for the people in the, in the last days. That's in Daniel chapter 12 verse 4. Now what message or what time prophecy goes all the way into the last days or what is the longest time prophecy in the bible what's that somebody said it over here the 2300 day prophecy raise your hand if you ever heard about the 2300 day prophecy okay good most people have heard about the 2300 day prophecy good okay so the 2300 day prophecies and in case you don't know what it is it's found in daniel chapter 8 verse 14 so we're actually looking at daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9, side by side, and noticing how Jesus himself gives these time prophecies. Why? Because they're concerning himself. And what he's doing to save you, because in Daniel chapter 9, he actually, it actually talks about his ministry. When he was anointed, so when he was baptized. It talks about when he died. His, you know, dying on the cross. And he basically talks about the Jews too, you know, the, the time that they had to repent. And how the, the message was given from the Jews to the Gentiles. And in Daniel chapter 8 verse 14, we're going to see something very similar happen. Uh, also dealing with Jesus. But first we're going to look at a, something very similar that happened in the times uh, of Jesus. And then we're going to look at it in, in Revelation chapter 10. So what happened in the times of Jesus when... When he was preaching and he was healing people, uh, there were several times when people would try to grab him by force. Uh, this was spe specifically, I can remember it happening right after he had uh, fed thousands of people. Him literally giving them food, multiplying it in his hands. And then they, what they do is they get so excited because, man, this guy is going to be our king. He can heal our armies if they're ever wounded. He can feed our armies. So we need to make him, make him king now. So what they do is they try to take Jesus by force and turn him into a physical king. 
was Jesus had to get away from the people because they were not understanding his message. And so he takes that with him all, you know, all the way. He's, you know, right before he's, he's coming to the crucifixion, he's trying to tell his disciples, hey, I'm about to die. And he's trying to find a friend that will help him. And these guys are just not understanding it. They're like, I would never let that happen to you, Jesus. And he's like, no, you're missing it. And people are just like, oh, it's like it would just come in one ear and out the other. Because they didn't understand why he would have to die. So when he did die, when he was crucified, a lot of people were greatly disappointed. Were they not? You see, in those times there in Jerusalem, a lot of people had had jumped on the bandwagon, you know, about Jesus. Because you could see it even when he came in with a donkey into the city. Everybody was, you know, singing praises onto him. But a lot of people were just jumping on that bandwagon. They weren't really there because they had repented of their sins. They weren't really trusting him to be the son of God. They were just like, yeah, he's going to bring us into glory. All right, I'll follow him. And a lot of people would see how close they could get to him so they could have some sort of inheritance in his earthly kingdom. He's like, he's going to be king soon, so I better become his friend. But the moment he died, all of those, I guess you could say, fake followers just fell off. And to the point that you have the disciples. Also, they also went through a great disappointment. Now, did, was there a, another great disappointment that happened in Revelation chapter 10? Let's keep reading. It's actually found in verse 8. And about the message, it actually talks about what this message in Revelation chapter 10, what it was going to produce on the people that were hearing it. It's in verse 8. It says, And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it, and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Now this is talking about eating, right? Eating something. What does this have to do with the disappointment, right? So there's this message here in this book, about the 2300 days, it's saying to eat this little book. In the mouth, it was what? Sweet. It was very sweet. So it was delicious. So it's like, oh, this is so good. I, I, I want to have more. Give me more, right? But once it actually came down to the belly, it was bitter. Bitter. Have you guys had any kind of food like that before? That you eat it and it's amazing, but then once it actually digests, it's like, oh, it causes you a lot of. You know, funny feelings. <laughs> or in this case, bitterness. So that's actually the message. That's what happened also in Revelation chapter 10. Uh, so this message of the 2300 prophecy ends in 1844. Both Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 8 start at the same time period. Which is, you know, according to Daniel chapter 9 verse 25. From the going forth of the rebuilding of Jerusalem, which is in uh, A.D. 20, sorry, uh, 4, I have it here, uh, 457, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, 
they start at the same time, but notice how in 1830, there was actually a revival that started happening with a, name, uh, with a, with a guy named William Miller. Does anybody know about William Miller? So he, he actually became a worldwide famous, or at least his movement did, uh, because God had a special message that he gave through him, which, is, which was about the 2300 days. You see, it was around the year 1830 that he came across this time prophecy. And after doing all the math, he realized, that's like 14 years away. We got to tell somebody. Because he read, let's go to Daniel chapter 814. This is what he read, and this is how he understood it. So let's go to Daniel chapter 8, verse 14. And he said unto me, Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Well, it was a popular belief that the sanctuary was what? The earth. The earth, right? So he said, oh my goodness, the earth is going to be cleansed. That means Jesus is going to come with fire and cleanse it. This is talking about the second coming of Jesus. So when he read this, and he spent years, I'm telling you, he actually spent years before he actually shared this with somebody, but every single day he would study it and, and make sure he wasn't missing something. Then he started telling people quietly, hey, am I missing something here? Is this right? And nobody could refute it. And nobody could say, no, you know, you're, nobody could say either your math is off or, or this is not what that's talking about. So what ended up happening is he didn't want to share the message. For those of you that know his story, uh, he was actually fighting God with it because he was like, what if I'm wrong? I don't want to be wrong publicly. That's, that's a lot of, that's a big burden. But, but knowing, like, let's just say if you knew, if you had revelation, you had some sort of idea when Jesus might come, wouldn't that be a big burden to you? If you see your friends and family around you and you know the time is coming, wouldn't you want to do something about it? So his heart was being pricked. It was being uh, weight, weighted down with all this uh, you know, conviction from the Holy Spirit telling him, you need to tell somebody. And he kept hearing the, the, the voice go. And he kept hearing the voice go. But he was fighting it until one day he couldn't take it anymore. And he fell down on his knees and he says, fine, I'll go wherever you want me to go. If you actually want me to go preach this, then send somebody to my door uh, so that I can share with him. Before he came in the house, there was somebody knocking on his door. And it was a man from, from a, a close town. Uh, it was a young guy. He said, hey, our preacher's not able to preach this weekend. Can you come and share with us about what you've been studying? Just like that. He immediately got so upset. He slammed the door and went outside and started upset. Because he never thought that God would actually send him somebody right away. <laughs> so that's how it happened and you look back you look forward 10 years later you see this worldwide movement this revival that's happening in, in the whole world not just in America but it's happening all across the world uh, because people are getting ready for the second coming of Jesus now along with this movement yes there is a lot of people who repented of their sins and converted and, and, and gave their life, their ungodly lives to become Christians, to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. But there was also a lot of people who just jumped on the bandwagon. They were like, oh, I'm not sure, I don't really know, but, you know, if it's, if it's true, then, you know, let's, let's go, right? But they never really got deep. They, ne they never searched the scriptures themselves. They never looked... 
for repentance. And it was a pretty big bandwagon. It really was. But what happened in that day in October 22 in 1844? Did Jesus come or he didn't come? Man, yeah, I mean, you guys don't even want to say it. They're still disappointed, right? <laughs> so there was such a big disappointment. I mean, people were literally weeping. They had their face in their hands. Some people had sold all their property to give and to finance the, the gospel, the message. People were so disappointed that so many people that were followers, they became scoffers. They said, ah, oh, I knew this was a big, big lie. Why did I believe you guys? Right? But there was still a small group of people that stayed behind and they prayed. And they said, man, we're looking at something wrong here. Just a small group of people. Out of hundreds of thousands, there was a small group of people who said, we need to pray and ask for guidance. The same thing happened to the disciples. Once Jesus was crucified and they could see the cross because the cross was actually set up so that everyone could see it. A lot of people, when they saw the cross, a lot of people were disappointed, but also a lot of people saw the cross and they said, I really need to search the scriptures and understand what this means. So you had a lot of people who just kind of fell off, but then you had a small group of people, including the disciples. Well, Jesus did have to step in, by the way. He did have to tell them, you know, resurrect. After he resurrected, he appeared unto them to encourage them and to give them a little bit better of understanding. But there was still that small group of people who stayed behind. And that's when we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2. Like I said, it's a lot of information, right? Is anybody still with me? Okay, thanks. Alright, Acts chapter 2. So we, we've seen the similarities so far, right? In the first coming and in the second coming of Jesus, it's Jesus himself who gives the message, right? We also see what he's going to do, or these messages tell us of what Jesus is doing in his ministry for him, you know, when it comes to him saving us, you and me. So in Acts chapter 2, we have the day of what? It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with... One accord in one place. So this is, we're getting to the end here. This is pretty much where, where we're coming to. So we have a small group of people who stay behind. And they, they go up into an attic. And they start praying. They start praying. And what happens next in this chapter. Is just a glimpse of what's going to happen here. They were with one accord. And it says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And it basically talks about how the Holy Spirit is being given unto them. And then they go out and preach the gospel. Even though just a few days or a day or two before they were scared of even going outside of their houses. They were literally so scared. They were humiliated. They were scared. They were disappointed. But when the Holy Spirit came in onto them, they went out with a boldness that came from Jesus. And like I said, this is just a glimpse 
of what's going to happen because in Revelation chapter 10, let's go back there, it ends in a very similar way. You see, the story is not done because even after the great disappointment of 1844 and, and when they came back and in prayer tried to understand Daniel chapter 8.14 and unto 2,300 days then shall the sanctuary be cleansed, they understood that, huh, maybe we need to study out the sanctuary a little bit more. Understand what that actually means. And then Jesus was able to give a whole message through the sanctuary. So Revelation chapter 10, we're going to be reading verse 11. If you guys are there, say amen. amen. If you guys are not there, say mercy. Okay, I see one person still flipping. Okay, so we're in Revelation 10 verse 11. And this is after, after the whole bitterness and after the whole disappointment happened. And it says, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples, and nations, and tongues, and kings. So was this message done in 1844? I don't hear anybody. Was this message done in 1844? Because what is, what is this Bible verse saying? You must prophesy what? Again. Prophesy what? You guys got to say it louder, a little more conviction. You guys are going to prophesy what? Again. Prophesy again, because the message is not done. Jesus still has, has a lot to give to this world when it comes to this message. Now we have the three angels' messages, okay, that he was able to give to us afterwards. The understanding of the sanctuary. The Sabbath, right? Now we have this message that never before, going all the way back to, to the time of Jesus, you see the message had been lost. It had been misconstrued, especially because of the dark ages. The Bible was taken away. People didn't really understand the process and science of salvation, that Jesus is the high priest, that he died to save your sins, and now he went up into the Holy of Holies purify you, to cleanse you, to take away your sin, because He's going to come back one day with glory and receive you unto Himself. The message is complete now. But it seems like the messengers have fallen asleep. Right? For once we have a message that is complete, but yet the messengers are still asleep. But don't worry, there's there's a good news. There's a prophetic revival, which is the name of the sermon, a prophetic revival, because in Acts chapter 2, when they were able to go out and, with this boldness, when they were able to go out and preach the message into the world, uh, they didn't do it with their own power. They did it with the Holy Spirit. And in the same way, in Ezekiel chapter 37, we see a story, the Valley of the Drive Bones. This is what I'm ending with. For those of you that are getting worried, I'm going too long. This is the Valley of the Dry Bones. And basically what happens is that he comes to this, va this valley uh, and he sees a bunch of dead, dry bones. 
Nothing in them. No skin, no nothing. And then what does, what does God tell them to do? To what? To prophesy unto them. Prophesy unto the bones. And he started prophesying into the bones, and little by little, those bones started just kind of shaking, and then they started rising up, and then out of nowhere, they started growing, you know, muscles and tissue. And before you know it, there was a great army of people. And this is what the Holy Spirit can do, even with a church that seems like it's dry bones. A lot of people may sometimes look at a church and be like, man, there's nothing but bones left. Right? Sometimes we've gotten those comments. Something but bones left. There's one thing that Jesus asks us to do to it, and that is prophesy to it. Sometimes I've been guilty of this myself. I start and compare our church with bigger churches. Oh, well, they got this, and they got this, and they got all these other ministries. But they don't have the message. They don't have the prophecy which is about Jesus himself. And we are blessed to have Jesus in this church. And we're blessed to understand how he is literally saving us right now in the Holy of Holies. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, then we do have a Bible study going on uh, Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Uh, and, and if this was your first time hearing these kind of things, come to our Bible study where we can actually go through all of these time prophecies slowly and dive in and dig deep. Come if, if this is your first time hearing it or if you want to get a refresher. Uh, this last Thursday night we talked about Daniel chapter 2 and a lot of people were there. Uh, so come, understand prophecy because it literally is about Jesus himself. And we can get a better and bigger picture of what He's doing in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank You so much for giving us Jesus Himself, Lord, through these messages. Lord, I pray for Your Holy Spirit, Lord, to convict us of our sin, to help us be ready, Lord, to understand what He's doing in the Holy of Holies, so that we can prepare for His second coming. I pray that you would give us Jesus, Lord. Help us not just be jumping on bandwagons, Lord, and coming to church just to come, but actually desiring a personal relationship with you that requires us to know what you are doing, being intimate with you. I pray this for everyone in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.